Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Aren't you glad that he made a wretch his treasure? There is a burning in my heart this morning, and I got to tell you, it's found in one verse. We sang about it. You can sum up the whole gospel in this, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Man, if you call on Jesus as Lord, if you believe that he's the Son of God, you have right standing with God all because of Jesus. Nothing that you could do. Father, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you are here to meet with us today. Father, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your presence. I thank you, thank you, Lord, that it's the anointing that breaks the yokes and the chains of bondage. Father, I pray against depression that has walked into this room. I pray against anxiety that is present in this room. I pray against suicidal thoughts right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I release freedom. I release love right now over people who are struggling in these areas. I rebuke the thoughts of worthlessness right now. Jesus, the fact that you came, lived, and died, and rose again for us has put value on our life. I rebuke every lie of the enemy that's running through minds right now. I come against it and let your truth go forward and make no apologies and let it penetrate the hearts of men and women that are here today and going to watch online in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that we will walk out of here transformed because we encountered a God who loves us, who cares for us, that wants to move in our lives, that has a purpose and a plan for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's a great day. Every day is a day to celebrate Jesus. We here at C1, our strategy in life is to celebrate Jesus, live in community, share our story, and make a difference. Every day is a day to celebrate Jesus. Every moment's a moment to celebrate Jesus. But we celebrate him especially on what this day represents. If there was no resurrection, there would be no salvation. Jesus died to pay your penalty, but he rose to set you free. And man, it's a good day. We're in the middle of a series. And here at C1, we, we like to go through series. We like to tackle a thought. We also like to go through the Bible. We like to go through the Bible in large portions. We've done whole books before, but we like to go through the Bible because it's God's word. It's a, it's a word that, that meets us right where we're at. It's the only book where the author actually meets with you as you're reading it because it's alive and active. And today we're going to be going through Mark chapter 16. And it's going to be on the screen if you didn't bring your Bibles. And we're going to be looking at 14 through 20. And the idea of this series, It's Begun, is talking about what did the death and resurrection of Christ begin? What did it start 
Because so often, if you, if you know me, if you, if, you, if you attend regularly, I don't like to just tackle normal things. I like to look at the stuff around it. And so today we are talking about the resurrected Christ, but we're, we're talking about what did his resurrection start? What did it start for us? And so we're going to look at this. And what I believe is going to happen, if you are far from Christ today and you are hearing this message, it's going to put a burning in your soul, in your being, to repent. And if you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's going to put a burning in your soul to be active. Because that's what the gospel does. So let's look at it real quick. 14 through 20. Still later, he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. Jesus appeared multiple times to multiple people after he raised from the dead. Pastor Ben did an amazing job, an anointed message last week. Go back and listen to it. It's called The Road to Emmaus, and he unpacked um, which is one of the one of the many times where Jesus appeared to people after he rose from the dead. And they went back and told the disciples. And the disciples just continued to not believe anyone. And so Jesus showed up and rebuked them. And then we get into Mark's version, the Gospel of Mark's version of the Great Commission. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Now this is like, I love this verse like if you're wondering what is your purpose on earth as a believer well that's it matthew expands on it he doesn't just say preach the good news but he says make disciples it's both we got to preach and we got to make and the word there for preach is a greek word called caruso which literally means herald it means to, to go, to, to, to just get the information out. Like a herald in, the, in medieval times, they would say, hear ye, hear ye. You know, like they would just go out and proclaim in the middle of a town. But you can, like heralding can be any number of things as long as you're getting this information out. That's, that's what he's saying. Get the information out. Get the news out. Let's keep going. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. So now Jesus made a shift. He's actually now talking about us. He says those who believe. If you believe in Christ, these signs should accompany you. That means they walk your life with you. They, they, they go before you. And before you... Uh, um, get all crazy, like, oh, this is weird, miraculous signs. And well, let, let's just be real. Let's just get let's just get the elephant out of the way and everything like that. Christianity is a miraculous supernatural event. And it would be foolish of me to pretend that it's not. The fact that we have a God that stepped into humanity and lived for 33 and a half years, 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry, for three and a half hours of purpose on a cross to pay the penalty of sin for us. That's a miraculous thing, that we can have a relationship with God. The fact that your eternity changes from hell to heaven when you believe in Christ, that's a miraculous thing. And to pretend 
that we got to normalize it so people can understand the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Some people just can't understand until the act of the Holy Spirit in them quickens it to their hearts. But the truth is, it's a miraculous thing. And miracles do happen, and they follow the gospel. If I do have, one, I have a couple thoughts for you. One of my thoughts is the gospel has overflow. And this is the overflow of the gospel. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. Some translations say they'll speak in tongues. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. In fact, Nathan, will you go? I'm joking. We're not going to get snakes. No, I'm joking. That's, no, that was a joke. So a lot of understanding here, because, like, we have whole sects of churches that actually do this, and I want to dispel a lot of myths real quick. Most biblical understandings of this passages is, because some, some translations say you will be able to walk among servants, serpents and stuff. So most biblical understanding and scholars believe that it's talking about your authority over the devil. Through Christ, you'll, be, you'll have authority over Satan to, to bust out snakes and handle them. That's, I, I, would, I would say that that would be tempting the Lord God. Um, everyone would be like, amen. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So we're not going to do that. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up to heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And th this is really cool. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. The Lord worked through them. So, if I were to title my message anything, if I were to give you one thought today, it would be this. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. And you might be thinking, Ryan, did it take five seconds to come up with that? Because that's very elementary. It is. But so often I think as believers, that if, you, if you're here and, you, and you're already a Christian, sometimes we think that the gospel is for the world who doesn't know Jesus. But it's not just for them. It's for you. But it's also for them. The gospel is for every person. For what, what is, When I hear the gospel proclaimed, know what it does to me. It puts a burning in my heart because I'm hearing my purpose. I'm hearing what Jesus did for me. I'm hearing, man, that's, that's who I was. I was lost in my transgressions. I was lost. I was so far from God. But I hear this gospel. And I know I'm saved. And then I have to do something about it. It puts a burning in my heart to do something with the gospel. And if you're not saved, I truly believe when you hear the gospel, it puts a burning in your heart to get to know Jesus. And that's what's going to happen today. But before we can move forward with that, we got to define a couple things. What is the gospel? 
that's a word that churches throw around so vastly and quickly that we assume everyone knows. The gospel is quite frankly a military term. It's good news. It's good news. And a couple weeks ago, we had a missionary. He preached a message called Running Naked. And um, he was talking about out of Hebrews how we, we shed everything that hinders us and so easily entangles us. And what he was getting at was we have things that hinder our walk with God. And when the author of Hebrews was writing that portion of scripture, runners back then would literally strip down to where they were um, butt naked and they would run. Like, whoa, this is the weirdest Easter message I've ever heard. Um, that's all right. I don't care. Um, I'll give you five seconds to get over it. All right, now we're back on the same page. So, and that's what they would do. They would shed everything and run so that nothing could hinder their running. And the, where we get the term marathon, the 26, how, how far is it, 26.2? 26.2 miles, it originated because in the town of Maratha, I believe, um, they, they went out and fought a battle 26 miles away. And after that town won, they sent a herald back, and they ran, and they proclaimed the gospel. And what was it? We won the victory. We will not go into captivity. We won and they ran for 26 miles. And then after they proclaimed the gospel, they fell over dead because they ran for 26 miles. That's, that's how we get the, the origin of a marathon. So why would we make that a sport if it killed the first people that did it? I don't get it. But, but he proclaimed the gospel, the good news. We aren't going to go into captivity to our enemy. We have victory over our enemy. We won the battle. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what we're called to proclaim. In the biblical sense, what we do is we take and we tell people that we won the victory through Christ. But with that said, it's not just that simple. It is really, actually, it is that simple. But I, I honestly, as I was writing this, Mark 16 is probably the portion that we read is probably one of my favorite portions of the entire Bible. Like, if you talk to Ben or any, like, I will mention it probably once. So I love this portion. And with that said, I was, like, I was praying, God, let me look at this through a new light. Because so often we could get so caught up in the mundane and how we see things that we forget to look at things through a new light. So what I'm going to try to do today is I'm going to literally try to do what Jesus tells us to do, is to preach the gospel. And I want to answer one question. Why is the gospel for everyone? Why? And I pray that it puts a burning in your heart, whether you're far from Jesus or whether you're near to him. And so, why do we need the gospel? Why is the gospel for everyone? It's quite simple. Sin. 
Sin is an issue that every person in this room deals with and every person on this planet deals with. And what is sin? Sin simply defined as trespass to God. We are in debt to God. That's what sin is. You are indebted to God. You have a trespass to God that you cannot pay on your own. And that's the problem. That's the problem because every one of us, we would like to think that we can pay this debt on our own. And the issue is with this thing called the gospel is a lot of Christians think I can explain why. But I would, I would actually argue that most Christians probably couldn't explain why. And I would be faulted if I don't explain that to you. And so we have a sin issue. And there is, there is almost a teaching amongst the church that we're sinners because we sin. And that makes sense, right? We're sinners because we sin. No, that's not right, though. You are a sinner. And because you're a sinner, you sin. That is who you are. Man, this is really encouraging, Ryan. You are. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. From the moment you were conceived, you were conceived in sin. I don't care if your parents were married when you were conceived or not. You were conceived in sin. When you were born, you were born a sinner. Well, that doesn't just... Babies are sinners. Oh, yeah. Have you ever had one hit you in the face? My son, like a year and a half old, hit my daughter with a rolling pin in the head. He, he didn't have to be taught that. I was like, son, now you got to hold it like this. No. He just, that's his inclination. But the proof, the proof isn't just action. The proof is everything dies. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin, what sin earns naturally is death. The wages of sin is death. That's the overflow of sin. Death. There was no death before there was sin. So death is actually foreign to us. God did not create death. Death is the overflow of sin. For the wages of sin is death. So the fact that babies die is the fact that they are affected by sin. The fact that stars explode and die, they're affected by sin. But the Bible tells us all creation, all of creation is affected by sin. This is a big deal to God. And if we pretend that it's not, we are going to preach a man-centered good news that it's all about me. It's all about what God can do for me. And that's not my job. My job is to tell you that God has something for you, but he needs nothing from you. And the gospel is for you and everyone else. But it's not about you. It's about God's great love for you. And this is a big deal. One act of disobedience, one act of pride, one act of, if you really want to break it down in Genesis chapter 2, what did Adam do? Well, he disobeyed. He listened to someone else. No, he tried to set himself up as God. 
And that's the root of all sin. God, I want my way over your way. If you're living in a life outside of marriage and you're shacking up together, you're saying, God, I want my way over your way. If, if, if you're constantly going off and getting slammed with alcohol, God, I want my way over your way. It's, it's any, whatever flavor of sin is what you like, it's I want my way over your way. That's it. It's choosing self. It's to elevate self to the point of God in your life. And there can't be two gods on the throne of your heart. But the problem is, we think we can get to God on our own. And this is a huge issue. Because every one of us, when we know we've, we know we've violated God's law, the good news is written on our hearts, Paul tells us in chap, Romans chapter 1. The, the, the law of God, we just know, like, kids know when they tell a lie. You know, I mean, like, people know when they've done bad, and we call it our conscience. But it's really the Holy Spirit, because we're made in the image of God. It's the Holy Spirit kind of checking us. Come on, don't do that. And, and here's the thing. We try to get to God. We try to, like, okay, well, I messed up God, so i got to make it up to you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to church on Easter. I'm going to go to church on Christmas. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to not tell a lie. I'm going to help an old lady across the street. I'm going to do, 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 do. Well, the good news is you can't do anything about it. Because you, it, on your best day, you're far from God. On your worst day, you're far from God. Because your righteousness, the Bible says, right, righteousness is essentially right standing with God. So, your righteousness on your best day is nasty to God on your own. And every world religion, if you look at it, Islam, Hinduism, um, Buddhism, and all the sects of Hinduism and all the different like breakouts of all these different world religions, pluralism, all these things is man trying to get to God, trying to make their way, trying to live a good enough life, trying to offset karma, trying to do all this stuff. It's based on our own efforts to get to God. And sometimes, even in Christianity, we try to add to the cross of Christ. Every world religion is us trying to get to God. Christianity, on the other hand, is the only, is the only faith, only religion where God stepped in to humanity to get to us. Because you are powerless to get to God on your own. You can't do it. You can't live a good enough life. You can't be good enough. You can't do it. I know this is hard. I'm going to get to the good news here in a second. But in order to understand the gospel, the good news, you've got to understand the bad news. You have to. Because if you just think that it's, oh, I want a relationship with God, and so we, we treat it so lightly. This is the most important relationship you'll ever have in your life. We treat it, we treat it like um, someone we met in line at Kroger. Like, oh, that was a nice person. I hope I bump into him again. No, it's a legit thing. And I, 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 got, to, I got to be serious. And if you guys never come back again, that, that's fine. But I got to do what God told me to do. 
And so we got to understand the weight of sin. If, if I were God and I knew that I had to die for sin, know what I would have done? I would have showed up on Friday, died, and left on Sunday. That's what I would have done. But sin was such a big deal that God couldn't just do it on the weekend. He had to live for 33 years to deal with the power of sin in this world. And he dealt death a death blow. And so how do we get to God? How do we get to God? We don't. He came to us. The good news, the gospel, is the fact that you don't have to do a single thing. You don't have to earn anything. You just believe. In fact, Jesus said it right there. Right there. He said, anyone who believes in me and is baptized will be saved. Just believe. Then he turns around and says, but anyone who refuses to believe in me will be condemned. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're condemning yourself. And that's a hard thing because, like, you think, oh, God, that, that's a, it's so cruel for God to send people to hell. But let, let's examine that for a moment because here's the truth. You and I are eternal beings. And quite frankly, we live for this world way too much. We focus on here and now. And, and that's a really a demonic way of living to think about here and now. That's really a worldly and evil way of living. The Bible tells us if you're a follower of Christ to think about heaven, to think about eternity, to put, put your life in the scope of eternity. And that's why it's so important to tell people. Because at the end of the day, every person you meet will live or exist forever. They will exist forever. And the condition of which they exist is based on whether they believe in Jesus. Period. End of story. And if you love people, we've got to tell them. Because heaven, if, if you believe in Jesus, you will get to spend eternity, you will exist for eternity in the presence of God in a place called heaven. But if you refuse to believe in Jesus, here on earth, to believe that he's the son of God, that he's enough to cover your sin, you will exist forever in torment in a place called hell. And I would argue, and I might lose some of you here, and I'll, I'll explain it. But I would argue both of which are an expression of his love. Heaven is an expression of his love because he wants everyone there with him, in relationship with him, in perfect union with him forever. He wants to bless us with good things. And hell, on the other hand, is an expression of his love. And let me explain it. Ladies, I have a question for you real quick. What if a guy walks up to you? And let's pretend that every lady in here is not married for a moment. And some of you guys are like, thank you, God. No. <coughs> don't, don't look at your husband if you feel that way. But let's just say a guy walks up to you and says, I love you with all of my heart. I love you so much. Just marry me. That's really actually Amy's approach to when we got married. I was like, stop, leave me alone. And uh, she kept coming after me. Um, but, no, that was quite the opposite. Um, but 
say you keep spurning, just saying, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not interested in you like that. I just want to be friends. Or I actually don't want you in my life. You, you, keep, you keep going, like, stop, leave me alone. He's like, but I love you. But I love you. I love you so much. And then one day he decides to do something. I'm going to force her to marry me. I'm going to force her to be with me. So he comes and lady naps you. I don't know, kidnaps you. And he takes you, and then he forces you to marry him. And then he forces you in his house forever. How many would agree that is not love? Right? That's not love. But so often, we put people in heaven, at their funerals especially, oh man, you can't say that. Yeah, I can. But so often we do that. And we think, God's a loving God. He'll let everyone into heaven. But that's not true. If a person has spurned him and he gave his expression of love on the cross in the empty tomb and he goes after him and says, I love you. I care for you. I want a relationship with you. And you keep going, no, God. I don't want you, I don't want you, I don't want you, I don't want you. And that person dies, you think God in love is going to say, no, you're going to be with me forever? He's not going to force his love on that person. Hell is essentially God giving that person exactly what he wanted on earth. And that's a hard thing to swallow. That's a hard thing to swallow. But hell is a very real place. And some people are choosing hell because they never heard the good news of Jesus. And that's where the church gets in. That's where the church of the living God, not this building, not this pulpit, but you and you and you come in. Because he says, go into all the world. He didn't say, come to a building and hear the gospel. He said, go into all the world and Caruso, preach the gospel. Get the message out. This is that burning I'm telling you about. You're hearing this. If you have a relationship with Jesus, I pray that there's a burning in your heart to get the message that keeps people from eternity away from God out. And man, if you're hearing this and you're far from God, I pray that it puts this burning in you to have a relationship with God because God loves you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish. They will not die in their transgressions. They will not die for eternity in hell. But they will have everlasting life. You will exist forever. And you will bow before Jesus. But how you exist is determined whether you bow now before Jesus or you bow after you die before Jesus. Because you will bow. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. I can't assume that everyone who hears the gospel understands it. But the truth is, we're separated by God, from God, by this huge chasm called sin, and we can't cross it on our own. So Jesus Christ came. God stepped into humanity, and we sang it, we celebrate it today. He died on a cross, and that's that 1 Corinthians chapter 5. God made him who knew no sin. Christ lived for 33 years and never sinned once. He never had one transgression against God. 
he kept all 314 laws of God perfectly. So you don't have to. Because you can't. Some of you guys lied this morning. Husbands, when your wife said, does this look good? You said, yeah, that looks great. Can't do it. Just, I'm, I'm ladies, I'm not going to say it. You guys all look great. Um, but we can't do it. We can't keep the laws, but Jesus did. And God, it's called the great exchange. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. Like, that's not just like he died a sinner's death. Jesus Christ became sin. So, you, you know what you're dealing with. You know the sin in your life. You know the sin that God, that the enemy's constantly c- condemning you of. Maybe it's lack of trust. Maybe it's pride. Maybe you're a liar. Maybe you're addicted to this, this, or that. You know the sin. You can think of it. The enemy won't let you forget your sin, but God wants you to. God wants you to see yourself as he sees you. Because Jesus Christ died and paid the price for that sin that's always condemning you. And then it says, it says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we in Christ can become the righteousness of God. So we give Jesus our sin, and God gives us his righteousness. He makes us right. It's not enough to be forgiven to get into heaven. You have got to have right standing with God. That's what righteousness is. And the only way, the only way to have righteousness is through the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. And God has never, ever condemned you because he condemned your sin on the cross. How bad of a father, how bad of a good judge our God would be is if he stood he, he took and condemns you for what he condemned Christ for. He would be an awful judge. He would be an awful father. Christ paid it all. Period. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything but believe in Jesus and then rest in your salvation. It's that simple. The gospel is for everyone. And what I hope happens as we're about to respond There are people in this room that need to repent for maybe the first time and ask the Lord to come into their life. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. Forgive me of my sin. Come be Lord and Savior. There are people in this room that need to rededicate their lives to God. You said that prayer a long time ago, but you decided to live for yourself. You chose you, and you said, God, get off the throne in my heart. And you put yourself back on it. If that's you, the altars are open. Then there's people in this room that have a relationship with Jesus, but have done nothing with the gospel. You've kind of been an incognito Christian. That's an oxymoron. You can't meet the God of the universe and not be changed. 
when you encounter this great love that saved you not just for this moment. And God does want to bless you here and now, but for eternity, it changes you. It changes the way you look at life. It changes the way you approach things. And when you encounter that God, you've got to do something about it. You've got to tell people about it. Jesus, and, and this is where I'm probably going to make some people feel uncomfortable. And that's okay, because sometimes we need to get uncomfortable to move. I thought about putting tax in everyone's seats. But Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But um, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, don't. Or if it might cost you a friend or a job. Or the question I would ask is, what do you value more? Do you value your friend or do you value yourself? Because when you understand where people are going apart from Christ, it should compel you. It should put a burning in you. We can't. We can't just be okay. I'm telling you guys, something's coming to this world. Jesus is coming back for one. But before he comes back, God's going to shake the things in the church. And if you don't look like him, he's going to shake you free. But he's going to have a church that is about his business because he wants to reach people who are far from him. And I want C1 Church to be a part of that. We have got to think outside walls, outside these walls. We've got to think, how can I be the church in my home, in my neighborhood, in, in, in Walmart? How can I be? And I know I beat this drum. I beat this drum all the time, and I will never stop beating this drum until every person in this town is a believer. I can't because there are people at probably about, I don't know, 30 people as I'm speaking, probably in Columbia, died. I would, I would guess. It's kind of a sobering thought. Every minute, on average, 119 people die. We have a, but, but as, as a church, we have this purpose Go. And these signs will accompany. It's a miraculous thing, and it doesn't have to make sense. Just own it. Just own the fact that, you know what? We're a peculiar people. We're peculiar. It doesn't have to make sense. I don't have to make apologies to someone if I pray for their healing. They don't have to believe. I believe God can heal them. I don't have to make apologies when I encounter people who are demon-possessed. Because I believe God can set them free. We're a peculiar people. We're a supernatural people. We serve a supernatural God. Let's walk in that. So let's all stand. I find that it's easier to respond when we have some blood flow in our legs. Everyone, just get the stretch in real quick. I believe that there are people here today that need to, to respond. If you're here, if you're here and you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus, you've heard the gospel, 
Jesus said, right here, he said, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Just believe. But if you don't believe, you will be condemned. You've heard the gospel, the ball's in your court. If you are far from Jesus and you, you need to rededicate or you need to accept Christ for the first time, the altars are open. If you're here today and, man, and you, you're a, you have a relationship, but you need to say, okay, God, how can you use me? I haven't, done, I haven't done anything with the gospel. The altars are open. I'll be here to pray with you. Please respond. If you're new to church, God's here. And he's speaking into this moment. He's saying, I hear you. Reach out to me. It would be a shame for us not to reach out while the Lord is so near. What's going on in your lives? You can ask God. He's right here. He's right here. What do you need prayer for? Is it that lost co-worker, the lost son and daughter? Ask the Lord. Is it healing? These signs follow the gospel. He's here. Whenever God makes promises, it's much like salvation. All you have to do is receive and believe. God can't force you to receive. He can't force you to believe in His Son. He wants you to. But I receive that for this community, for this church. And I believe that God's going to do something through this place. There's more to come. There's more to come. There are people in here that have written themselves off. You feel you're either too old or unqualified. That's a lie from the pit of hell. There's people in here that have written themselves off because they feel like they've done too much, that their sin is too great. How can God use me? I would say, did you listen today? There's no sin too great. There's nothing too far gone that God can't use. And he wants to use you. He wants to do something in Columbia, Tennessee, and the surrounding towns that this region has not seen, nor I heard. I'm telling you, God is doing something. I would be a fool to tell you exactly how, because a man makes his plans, but the Lord orders his steps. I don't know how, but God is doing something. And what we can do to be a part of it is say, God, use me. Use me. Use me. Get me out of my comfort zone. Help me to speak life. Help me to, sp to, to, to get the gospel out. Whatever it looks like. It can look a million different ways. But use me. God's given every person in here gifts. And they're beautiful gifts. Say, God, use me. Use me, Father. Anoint me, Father, for your kingdom, 
your glory. Oh God, Holy Spirit, we need you to empower us to reach this world who is far from you. Use us. Use us. Start a conversation. I would say that if you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ and you know people who aren't, start a conversation. You can ask them, well, why don't you believe? Maybe they've never heard the the good news. Maybe that would challenge you to articulate it better. Start a conversation. The word go is in the Bible 1,600 times plus. Come and see is like less than 100. The Great Commission is a commission to go. Start a conversation. Start a conversation. It's the work of the Holy Spirit at the end of the day. You can't save yourself. Ephesians chapter 2, like 8 and 9, says, We are saved by grace through faith. This is not from ourselves. This is a free gift from God. There's not one person in heaven going, Yeah, me and God worked something out, and we did this together. Nope. It's all on Jesus. But that said, start a conversation. I dare you this week to just start one conversation with someone. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double dog dare you to start two conversations this week because Ben challenged us to have two conversations last week. Two conversations with people who don't know Jesus. You don't have to tell them the full gospel. Just start it. Start, start that, that process. Can I pray with you? Is there anything going on in your life that I can help you with? Start it and see what God does. Father, I pray right now for your church. Lord, I pray that you'll anoint them and go before them. I pray that you will help us to be the church outside of these walls. Help us to walk in your power. Help us to see the hurting. Help us to see those who are on the fringes. Help us to see those who a lot of, a lot of so-called Christians say they're not savable. Help us to see those people. And give us a heart for those people. Because you have a heart for those people. And Lord, help us to get out of our comfort zones, to go after you. Lord, the gospel's for everyone. Put, let it be a burning in our heart. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Guys, we love you. Happy Easter. We have a gift for you right as you walk out. And um, please grab one and uh, have a blessed day.